0: Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. It's been a while since I've been up here. You want to open your Bibles to James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. And I'm going to have Amanda Kim read for us. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you speak to us. We ask that whatever the soil of our heart may be, whether it's hard, stuffed with weeds, or just ready to fold, we ask instead that you would weed or send rain and soften our hearts, that we might hear your voice amongst, amidst all the distractions that are in our lives, that are here today, and might even be said through my mouth. Father, we don't want to be inspired today. We want to be filled with your Spirit to understand your heart and mind. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> it's uh, so unique because usually at youth group. I'm not used to simply preaching, but actually seek to have a lot of active involvement, which I don't think we can do today because obviously it's a bigger, bigger crowd. But I'm going to ask a question. How many of you, and I'm going to ask you to stand. I know you just like stand and sit and stand and sit, but you know a little exercise never hurt. It helps us all, right? How many of you have ever had a performance evaluation? Stand up. Let's see who we got left. Uh, You took a test. How about that? You guys can stand up, too. (laughs) All right. So it looks like only Heath and (laughs) has not had a performance evaluation. Okay. Um, How many of you have enjoyed and were blessed by that performance evaluation? So much so that you would love to do it more regularly. You enjoyed that performance evaluation. You go, evaluate me more. Bring it on. I love evaluation. Really? Wow. Okay, so now you know who are the weirder folk in our (laughs) church. (laughs) (laughs) Performance evaluations can be a thing of fear, right? Uh, Your job may be on the line. And what can be scary about... A performance evaluation is when you go in there and they start talking about something that you were supposed to do that they never told you to do. Wouldn't that be very difficult? Hey, uh, we've been looking at your job description and uh, this is not in here, but it's implied between the lines and you haven't been doing it. I'm sorry, you're fired. I think that would be horrible. What I want to do today is hopefully run us through a performance evaluation of where are you at? What is your religion like? And when James uses the word religion, he's not using religion in the terms of a world religion like Christianity or Islam or Judaism or Hinduism or Buddhism. That's not what. what, what is your worship. The word he means can be translated worship. What is your worship like? And I want us to evaluate that because sometimes I think our worship is When we come here on Sunday and we sing and it's good and you feel good about what's happened. That's not the kind of worship that James is talking about. He's talking about our lives. So when you look at the worship of your lives, what is it that God expects of us? Because we don't want to be before God and God says, hey, I just wanted to let you know, here are some of the things you needed to do. And even though you didn't know, ignorance is bliss is not working here. We want to see really what matters to God in the end. So as we're looking at James, I hope I get this right. I I tried to do, there we go, examining. We are going to examine our worship and our faith. And we're looking at James chapter 1. I'm going to read it again. We're going to read it several times throughout this, but I just want us to get the flavor of this. If anyone considers himself worshipful, change that word, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, And his worship is worthless. Worship that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now let me give you a little context of what I think is going on in James chapter 1 as a whole. There's two ways you can look at James. As Pastor Dave has probably already talked about. You can look at it as one big connected unit. And I think that makes sense. Because if you look at the book of James, some commentators believe that it is a way to evaluate or measure or put metrics on your faith in Christ. So if you want to know whether or not you're a mature follower of Christ, you will look at how you handle trials and tribulations. When bad times come, do you go, oh, I'm so angry with God. Why is he doing this to me? Or do you consider it all joy? A mark of maturity is that we would consider it all joy. Like Jesus considered the cross joy. He endured it for the joy set before him. Another way is how you deal with temptations. Do you deal with temptation when it comes? You just go, oh, you know, this is part of my nature. I'm a human being. You fall, you fail. Uh, You just go with the flow and that's what happens. Or are you someone who resists it? You don't blame God for being tempted because, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not strong enough. You should know better. But like Jesus, you're able to say no because there's a higher value that is there. Do you know your your faith is mature when you look at when you hear the word what do you do with it? We hear so much of it today is it something that kind of just gets overwhelming and it all gets in there and we just go okay I'm just going to take it in but not really embrace it and follow after it because James says what? Don't simply be hearers but be doers as well. And now I think to me at least and this doesn't mean that I'm right because I did not know James Um, I did not write this letter with him, but I think he's kind of saying here. Now, after seeing all of that, I'm going to give you some practical ways to see whether or not your worship is real. if It has value. If God is really pleased by that. Now, on the flip side, you could just say this is a bunch of Proverbs, which is also true. It could be a bunch of Proverbs, each one talking about something in the Christian life. But in the end, I think they are all evidence or marks of what is someone really like when they follow Christ? So we're looking at these verses. And I'm going to read it again. Do I get that back up there? Do I just press something and it happens? Or Okay, I'll just read it. Thanks, James. No connection to the James here. If anyone considers himself worshipful, and yes, does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion or worship is worthless. So the first type of worship that we see is a type of worthless worship. Now, what that means is, because remember, he's writing to people who are in the church and he's telling them, listen, do you want to know what your worship is like? Well, listen, it can be worthless. Really, seriously, it can be, You can be here and you can sing the loudest and have the best voice and have the most talent. But if you cannot bridle your tongue or control it, it's worthless. And we'll get more into this because I know that you're all looking at me going, boy, that guy's in trouble. What is he doing up there? Because I'm already disqualified. But we press on. Worship that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. So our second type of worship is that which is pure and faultless. So you can actually have pure and faultless religion. Now, I do not think that James is saying your worship must be perfect. Nor do I think that James is calling us to perfection, but what he will be calling us to is a lifestyle that is based in our hearts. That at the core of who we are, it can be pure and faultless because it exhibits certain characteristics. So there's two types of religions that are out there. Now, how do you know what kind of religion you have? Do you want the worthless kind or the pure and faultless kind? If you want that which is pure and faultless, you will control your tongue. You will treat widows and orphans or take care of them and you will live with purity. So he gives us those three steps which we are to follow. Now, the thing that I'm always afraid of when I give a message is because this is definitely a book that is loaded with do these things. My fear is if I simply tell you to do these three things, you may leave either overwhelmed or just say I'm not there and it's not for me. And I think if you leave with those attitudes, I'm not there and it's not for me, then you already have been evaluated and you'll see whether or not your worship is worthless or pure and faultless. My ultimate goal is to see in this. And I don't know if James intended this. He may very well have done so, but to see Christ in these three examples and to see the father's heart. If we can see Christ and we can grasp the father's heart, we can take this out of do and bring it into grace and understand that our duty is not to perform, but our duty is to be and an evidence of our being. We do. That is. Grace. That is understanding and having the strength to be able to follow Christ. So let's look at this verse 26. If anyone considers himself worshipful and just does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his worship is worthless. I'm already behind. There we go. Life Proverbs 1821. Does anyone know what that is? Little participation. Anybody? I know once you hear it, the, Did you say the tongue has the power of life and death? Then you would be right. Yes. Proverbs tells us that the tongue, our words, have the power of life and death. And one of the interesting things a few weeks ago as we're going through this passage also with the youth group is some of the things that have been said to the leaders and the students can actually be considered murder. Things that maybe friends have said, maybe things that parents have said to the students. Because what they do is they don't give life, but they take away life. James here is saying, listen, you, you want to control your tongue. So make sure that you speak the right words. If you hear only speak the right words, you might leave today and think, okay, I'm going to try really hard. And I'm always going to try to be positive. I'm always going to try to be positive. Well, that's important. But... I think even deeper, if we look at it, we want to see the reason James is saying this is not because he just says, control your tongue and leave it there. Watch your words, leave it there. I think he would say, if you were here, is control your tongues for a purpose that they might give life. If you look at James's Proverbs, perhaps James is thinking of Proverbs, and even though he didn't have verses to go with, he's remembering that the tongue has the power of life and death. Life. What did Jesus say he was? Jesus in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's hard for us to be like Jesus, but I think a simple way, and I don't want to simplify this too much, a simple way to be like Christ is to speak words of life. If I'm understanding James correctly, and we may get to heaven, and he says, You missed it completely. But I think scripture brings us out. Speak words of life. Speak those words of life. Speak those words of blessing to your children, to your peers, to anyone and give them life. And when you give them life with a heart that is full of Christ, we are blessing people. So James doesn't want to get you to leave here and go, okay, I must control my tongue. I will watch my words. It doesn't work for me. might work for you, but it doesn't work for me. I've done things like give my kids quarters a long time ago. It didn't work. And as you know, as I have confessed many times over, I am one of the worst people with my words, specifically watching sports. Okay? It is unacceptable, though. I know that we go, Ah, that's funny. That's part of the human nature. But my religion, my worship is rendered worthless when I do not control my tongue and I speak words of death rather than speak words of life. Think about this. The father heart of God, as we see in Jesus. If you want to see the father, you can see Jesus. Jesus said what in John 10, 10? He said, I came that they might have death that they might have life. Do you want to be like Christ? Do you want to have the father heart of God? We speak words of life. And when you fail, and I have failed, as I confessed to the youth group that one time, some of the things that I've said to my kid are absolutely horrendous. You go back and you apologize and make it right because God's call. Is that we would bridle our tongues, not just to control them, but to speak words of life. How do you know that your religion, your worship is pure and faultless by the words that you speak? I think there's very little gray in this because I think, first of all, we know whether or not we're speaking words of life. And I think those that we are speaking to know whether or not we are speaking words of life. My encouragement to you is to grasp onto the father's heart as exhibited in Christ himself is to speak life. Not just to control your tongue, but to speak life, to be like him. Second thing. Let me see if I can move on correctly. All right. How about that, huh? I was going to say, who's that big, what's that big bowling ball head doing there? Yeah, okay, let's read this. Keep that in mind, and hopefully I can keep my, uh, my emotions in check. Worship that God our Father, the Father heart, accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Uh, obviously, you know who these are. Uh, the girl on the left used to look like me, but doesn't any longer, which means she's getting blessed. Thank God for that. Uh, there they are when I think maybe like Jannie was maybe, I don't know, 16 weeks or whatever. I don't know when they start doing that. And Kaylee was one or two. And uh, this is them last week, although that's my PowerPoint problem. I blew that one, so don't blame the AV team. That's me doing that wrong. But that's them today. And the the good news, this is news for us. Um, This Wednesday, we are finalizing in court with Janny so that she will no longer be a Fouché but a Pizor, which we're really glad for. And then they tell us it's really over in April. So I guess there's bureaucracy upon the bureaucracy. But either way, the adoption court and everything gets legal now. You could look at me and say, wow, what a really nice guy. But I'm going to tell you, in all honesty, those two girls exist in our family because my wife understood the father heart of God in this passage, which was to reach out to children and bring them in and take care of them. It is not me. I was an unwilling participant at first with the first one and a semi-unwilling person with the second one because we believe that the second one at most would be 60 days and it would be over. Thank God. Let's move on to the next one. Here's what I want you to understand. I have no idea what their future would be like, but I can tell you this much, knowing the family situation of the youngest, that having done that, my wife's embracing of the father heart of God has saved a child from a horrible existence. On April uh, 26th, I believe it is, it's called Blue Sunday. That's where we talk about adoption and foster care and neglect and abuse in the homes. And that's coming up. And uh, we've had Lydia House here that shared safe families and and their ministry and the way that we can actually take care of orphans and and, and young children. And let me say this much. We have uh, at least eight. And some of you that have already grown kids uh, who've adopted in this church. And if we look at that and say, man, that is really good. We've done so many good things. But the tenses in each one of these things is don't just do them once, but keep on doing them. Now, you're sitting there and you might be overwhelmed and say, I cannot be like you. And I would say, thank God you're not like me. But let me say this as well. I'm not asking you to be like me. What I think God is asking, not me, what God is asking is, is to be like him. Listen to this. Psalm 68, verse 5. Reads this way. God is a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. All right? So the father heart of God is what? I am all about widows. Widows are important to me. Who is Jesus like? Go to Isaiah if you can, 61. It says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness. The prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. I'd go on. But you get the idea. It is not just the father heart of God to reach people who are in distress, but it is the life of Christ. It is his very ministry. So when God said go, he didn't say just take care of their sin and die on the cross, and that's the end of it. But a whole panorama of things have been opened up before us. Now, when we're talking about this here, when James is writing, he's saying this needs to be a a continuous action. He is not. He is not talking about your neighbor who's in a good spot and is having a difficult day. Now, I'm not saying don't go over to your neighbor when they're having a difficult day because it's not biblical. It is. Do that. But they're not in distress. They may be having a difficult marriage, but that's not the kind of distress because marriages can be healed. Now, if it leads to divorce, yes, then we have a whole different issue. But it's not just talking about your everyday neighbor, people who like us almost or at least apparently have it all together He is talking about people who have no hope and no help and no one there to walk with them. And what he's saying is, do you want to know whether or not your religion is pure and faultless before God? It's whether or not you are involved in the lives of people who are like this. Widows and orphans. It is not just widows and orphans. Adopting foster care is not an easy thing. It is not for everybody. You may have one kid and be overwhelmed. You may have two and be overwhelmed. You may have three or whatever the number is and you're overwhelmed. I'm not saying add another one to the mix so I can mess with your family dynamics and mess with your marriage. What I am saying is this. The father heart of God seen in the example of Jesus is to be involved in the lives of people who have no help no hope, and no one there to walk with them. And he says, go and be with them. So if you want to know whether or not really you have a pure and faultless religion, one of the metrics or measurements is to see how am I involved in alleviating the distress that people are living in, that they are trapped in, and that they cannot get out of unless I get involved in. You can go with city walkers on the last Saturday of every month and help women who are homeless and down and out and need help. You can tutor. You can go to slam. You can go to grip. There are communities and people in our neighborhoods who have a lot of needs, who have no hope, no help, and no one to walk with them. You can do that. You don't have to do what I do. You have to do what God wants you to do. Which is to be involved in people who are like that. And not to come across as superior because, you know, the, the thing about that I, that I find about Christianity, at least in the, in, the, uh, in the ancient days, is that they were known kind of like first responders. I mean, I know they, they didn't call them first responders back then. But while everyone else was running away from the plague and the disease and the difficulties, who ran in? The church. The body of Christ said, you know what, we're going to go in there. We're going to walk among the lepers. We're going to walk among the plague and we expect to die. But God has called us to get involved in their lives. And even if they're going to die, we will be there. And that's what first responders say, isn't it? We're going to run into that building and I may die, but I don't give a hoot. I'm going in there because I'm going to save that little kid that's trapped in there. I'm going to save that old person that's trapped in there. I'm going to save whoever it is that's trapped in there. And if the church does not do that, no one else will who wants to let these people see the Father heart of God. Yeah, people will go in there, people who don't believe in Christ, and they'll help them out. And they'll go, where's the church? Well, you know what? They're meeting on Sunday, and they're talking about all the things that they should do in Bible study, and they're arguing about the meaning of this text, and they're arguing about the meaning of that text. Where are we? I hope that's not mine. Okay. Does that make sense? Cuz we can say, you know what? I'm here. I'm engaged, man. I am listening. I'm all in. But if this is not a part of our lives in some way, shape and form, I think James would tell you the performance evaluation wants to raise some questions here. Are you really all in? Are you somehow, some way, some shape or form involved in the lives of people who cannot give back to you? In those days, you know what a widow and an orphan could give to someone who helped them? Nothing. Zero. Not a zilch. That's why I'm saying it's not about helping your neighbors. I mean, think about it. You can go and shovel your your neighbor's driveway or whatever. And you know what? The next time they're going to come back and they're going to shovel yours because they can give back to you. James is saying, Listen, you want to know whether or not your religion is really pure and faultless? How are you helping people who are in distress? It is the Father Heart of God to reach people who have no hope and no help and no one to walk with them because that's why He gave us Jesus, right? We had no help, no hope, and no one to walk with us. The Father Heart of God said, This is not as it should be, and I'm going to give my Son. And he came and he lived and he died and he rose and ascended into heaven. Yes, ultimately for the glory of God. But for us, there is a lot of pain in this church. Agreed. And we can help people who are struggling through those situations. But the church must realize it's not up to some non-government organization or some other charity. But it is us. It is, I will say clearly, you. And you might respond and say, that's not fair. I don't have the time. I can't do this. And you know what? Right now, you might not have the time. I can understand that, but that might mean very well that there's a time to reevaluate your life and your priorities. So if you walk into a performance evaluation and the boss says, dude, you need to change this, you cannot say, I don't have time to take care of that now. It doesn't work that way. And I think the Father heart of God is saying, listen, listen, be doers of the word. Get out there. We have a call center. I just I'm, When I look at those two girls, I think, oh my God, literally. If people don't step into the lives of these adopted children or these foster children, someone else will come along and fill that need and they may very well be trafficked. And our call center deals with tons of women who are stuck in that situation. I cannot watch any of these movies and not be brought to tears because it absolutely breaks my heart that in our city, Probably even two miles from my house is a place where young women are trafficked. And you say, I have no outlet. Yes, you do. A call center. You say, I'm a guy. I can't get involved in it. I agree. We're not going to let you make phone calls. But why can't we as men be there and pray while the women are praying? You don't have to. I mean, I'm not asking anyone to go to a gentleman's club and say, hey, I am here. I am the new bouncer and I'm going to kick everyone out because you're going to get hurt. I'm not asking you to go to those strip places where where the girls are and say, hey, you know what? There's a new world order here. The new sheriff in town. Everybody get out. I'm taking over. I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm asking you to do is to get the Father's heart and live the example of Christ and show that your religion is faultless and pure by the way you live, not the way you talk. Let's move on. James continues. Last part, verse twenty-seven. Worship that is pure and faultless is to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Oh, am I going the wrong way? Yes, I am. That's why you don't give people like me technology. Purity, and you know what was really cool in there? I know you, you can't see this, but I didn't see this until my son Dan and I were working on this. It's forgiven in the background. Can you kind of see that? Right. It's pretty cool, right? Hey, you make a mistake, dudes. I, I, I like this for one reason. I, God calls us to purity, not perfection. Right? I mean, if he's calling us to perfection, we're in trouble. But he's calling us to purity. And in the midst of that purity is forgiveness. But here's what I want you to understand in holiness. Because we're, we're talking about holiness in uh, DIG number 11, our discipleship group's number 11. And it's a very good chapter. In our group, one of the things we talked about is God calls us to holiness. And when you think God calls us to holiness, what do you think? Oh, dude, I gotta stop watching that movie. I gotta stop reading that book. I gotta stop spending my time on this. And I gotta stop, or, or, I gotta start reading my Bible more, or I gotta start praying, or I should, you know, that's what we think holiness is. I want to tell you that is not holiness. Turn with me to 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 16. And this is what I think God calls us to, in calling us to holiness. He says, For it is written, be holy, because I, am holy. You know what I think that means? When Israel left Egypt, we think, well, you know what? God wanted to bring them into the promised land. Isn't that the reason why he got them out of Egypt? I'm going to take you out of Egypt, bring you to the promised land so y'all can live a good life. If you think that's what God did, you're wrong. Because what God says in Exodus 19, verse 4, he says, I brought you out of Egypt to bring you to myself. I brought you out of Egypt to bring you to me. And what holiness is not about activity or non-activity, it is about becoming like God because God's call is be holy for I am holy. Be drawn to me. Come to me. Holiness is a person. It is not activity or non-activity. It is drawing into the presence of God and becoming like him, grasping onto his heart, embracing it, drowning in it if necessary, so that we are drenched with the Father heart of God that leads to the actions of Christ. I can tell you, listen, are you struggling with something right now? Stop it. Get an accountability partner. Whenever you feel tempted with that thing, pull out your phone. Say, you know, right now I'm tempted. Help me, help me, help me. Okay, let's pray me pray. That's good, but it's activity. If we can get a better picture of who God is, clearing all the mist out and seeing who he is, we can only see the worth and value and say, that doesn't matter as much. I thought you were going to get up and cheer right there for a minute. Amen, brother. Let it on. Do you understand what I'm saying? James, I do not think, is saying do all of these things, pat yourself on the back and say my religion is pure and faultless. That is awesome. I think you can do all of that and still have worthless worship because it does not come from the Father heart of God in the core of your heart that it's changing you, reshaping you, remaking you. It doesn't mean that you sit there and let go and let God. When you read scripture, it's all about striving and pressing on. But in the grace of God, in Christ. We change because we, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, we look at him And the more we see him, we are transformed because we see how good it is. This is excellent. Simple thing like steak. If you offer me a white castle, which is good, and even more so now that I'm doing a detox, it's really good. Are you offering me steak or kybe? Come on, really. Which one? Seriously? There's no competition. None whatsoever. If you had to say, you know what? Would you rather have no kids or five kids? I'm going to tell you five. Has it been easy? No. There's no fun at all sometimes. (laughs) Right? Sometimes I really do not enjoy it. Sometimes I feel horrible. Sometimes I'm a horrible parent. But if you ever said to me, you could relive life not get married and not have five children or keep it as it is. I will keep it as it is because I have tasted and seen that it is good and I want it and I want more, not more kids, <laughs> but I love it. I would, I would not give this up. And I think that is the same thing with God. That when we see him and we go and understand him and we drown and as hard as we embrace it, we can see, you know what, man? <laughs> There's not much else. There's not much else that is really worth it. One of the guys that I admire, Henry Blackaby, you might not even know him. If you've ever done the experiencing God stuff, I just, when I listen to him, he is one of the worst preachers I've ever heard. He is dull. He's boring. He is monotone. But when you listen to him, that man's heart is consumed by God. He weeps over his sin. I look at my sin purity. And sometimes I go, eh, it's part of me. You know, whenever I watch basketball, I got to call them all names, right? I got to remind everybody that Kobe is now wearing Derek Rose's playoff jersey on the bench. You know, the suit, playoff jersey. Okay. never mind. That was failing. You'll get it later. You really will. Let's understand this. Let's read this again from James chapter one, verses 26 and 27. If anyone considers himself worshipful and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his worship is worthless. Worship that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James says, listen, all of this is tied into God and is expressed in Christ. Controlling our tongues isn't about making sure we're saying the right things, but it's being influenced by the Father heart of God, following the example of Jesus, speaking life. Even to those who speak death to us. As Jesus hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus never rebuked or confronted. But his intent was for life. To give life. Not to rebuke just because it was good or it was fun or it was necessary, which it might have been all of those. But ultimately, that people might have life. Follow the heart of God, and the example of Christ is to care for those who are in distress and cannot meet their needs. For the church, the body of Christ, the followers of Christ to come alongside and to help them. And to be drawn into holiness, not because it is a thing to do, because it's a living person who loves us. So, oh, I do did it wrong again. Let's examine ourselves. Where are you at? Let's bow our heads. Just for a few moments. I just want to say a few things just to kind of wrap this up and give you an idea. I am not perfect. You know that. I fail the test in bridling my tongue. It's obvious. It's clear. I take care of widows and orphans because I have a wife who understood the father heart of God. Not because of something I did that was special. Purity, if you're like me, sometimes you love sin more than you love God. God is calling us to himself. He says, come, all of you who are weary, burdened, heavy laden, all the things that you're doing, Trying to get on my good side, doing this, doing that, doing some more. Not doing enough, so doing some more. Stop. Come to me, the living God, and rest. Be seated. Be at peace. Gaze at me. May it be a long journey, but gaze and keep on gazing. Because I want not just to change you. It, That's not the goal. But to bring you to me that you might find life and find it abundantly. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church.